Hi, everyone. Today, me and Endless Midnight Moon are going to be talking about her tapas novel, Beyond the Gray Skies, which is an alternative history. And we will be asking some basic questions, four of them, which have been covered on Instagram Live, about why she chose to write this novel. So without further ado. Mm, thank you, Fortuna Skins, for having Bravo. me on. Mm, I think to start with, we should uh, talk about the summary first about this story. Yes. Okay, um, okay. Uh, the era of revolutions came and stayed in the continent with changes upon every country, regardless of whether they rose to establish a new regime or kept their traditional rule. It obliterated the, new, the old order, asking all the young to lead by their dreams instead of being bound by tradition and order. Anibale has gotten everything he wanted out of life so far, but he seeks more to find his next horizon, leading him to find out more about his family. Amaranta returned to Rovanas, seeking to start a line of fashion and have her own collection, but still wanting to have something to fall back upon should things go wrong, so she takes a job. Mm -hmm. It's great. Thank you so much for sharing. Guys, please subscribe to her on Tapas. It's a wonderful novel and it's very extensive. She has done excellent world building and she even has a website of her own, which is which is endlessperiodicals.com where she has more details about this wonderful universe. Thank you so much. Right. So some of the questions we're going to ask in this episode is, why did you choose to write this story? I think for me, it's back to the basic question is, it was an old story that I that I thought about. I think maybe the work was already there from the beginning, but it's just like I took the time to, re- but, then I, but then I started fleshing out somewhere between late 2019. Actually, yeah, because 2019 was a strange year for me. Actually, the real idea came in December 2019 after I had a slight funny accident. It kind of it kind of took me off writing for at least a week or two because I I injured my wrist and then I thought about actually that I and then that was when Beyond the Griscas ideas started to come to my mind. I was working on a, like a revised draft of this very old story, but eventually I turned it into something new because then actually I could look at it that way and I would think I like it very much. Mm-hmm, I see. I, yeah, I still have the very old draft sitting around in my in my Google Docs. Ah, I see. How much do you think it has changed since your old drafts? Old drafts? Uh, a lot. I think when I was writing the just the first volume, by halfway through the first volume, I just completely changed my plans. It just, the idea was something very different, but then eventually I just like think, oh, maybe I could, I could explore this, I could try this instead of that, and that's how the idea really got developed into like a whole world. Mm, I see. So the original idea wasn't as extensive, right? No, I think the original idea back then I wasn't so into like uh, doing so much historical research about the the Napoleonic period in total, and I just didn't realize how fascinating it was. Now, after going through at least two rounds of the French Revolution, I think I kind of get it. Why? Why? I'm even more fascinated by it than before. <laughs> mm, I see. So research really did help you flesh out a lot of things and change um your story, you know, from what it used to be. Mm, yeah, especially the political side. Because initially, I don't think I really understood like a lot of the more nuance, the nuances of like the revolutionary period in total. Now I think like yeah, I think I pretty much get it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, in your story, revolutions really do have a large impact on uh, the character's self discovery and a lot of the plot. 
Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, I admit true. Although it, if there, there's no revolution, the life of everybody here will be very different. Well, let's just say, let's just say that, and let's just say that Annie Bali would have his grandfather. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, it so the so that's um. Is there any other reason that you chose to write this story? Any other reason? I think eventually when I started thinking about it, I thought about writing about capitalism because again, I'm very, I'm a capitalist at the end of the day. I like the, the theory of it and I like how it works. Mm-hmm. So in many ways, you're like Annie Bali because he also calls himself a proud capitalist. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. We all see each other in our own characters. As for Amaranta, I think the difficult part about her is like, a, okay, maybe somewhere down the line, I was a very, I was a bit wishful because like, I was, I was, I'm terrible at my hands, whereas I was, whereas Amaranta is very good at her hands. Mm-hmm. Yes, she is someone who is really good at making things and is very detail oriented, I think. Which is something I'm not completely, yeah. But then again, by this point in time, I have like so many notes just to keep myself straight. Yeah, I think you are detail oriented because you know you did so much research for this series, and you know it's very extensive, and it's just amazing about how much world building you have been doing, especially what I've seen also on your website. You know, you've been laying out brick by brick all the different families, all the different characters, and you know even the different countries, which you know I think. Are really interesting because you know they have real world parallels that I can already sense. But then at the same time, you've also you know taken some liberties to create you know alternate versions of them. Yeah, yeah. Actually, for me, it's like the okay. I think if I were to say why I did create alternate versions was like um, for the 19th century, Britain was the dominant power. It was the dominant power for most of it. In this case, I'm just taking what if I say I take a step back from it and you kind of like a not more, not really a shelf written to the side. It's still quite important, but it's like um, but France is now like kind of dominant because when France because France was dominant for a decade, then it just lost its most of its prestige. It almost mm-hmm. became nothing. Almost. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. And your and your characters, they are living in you an alternate version of Italy, right? Yeah, yeah, alternate version of Italy. So in your alternate version of Italy, how does it differ from you know the real world history version of it? Actually, it's probably called early reunification of Italy. Early unification of Italy. Like um it's kind of early, but sometimes there's also quite a fair bit of it that's Quite changed, I guess. It's not quite like the old Italy, the way old Italy was, but it's not. It's not quite like the one that came before. So, like, I just took some liberties, some ideas, and although I haven't really completely fleshed out the things I've done for that, but like how it got to that stage just yet. Hmm. Um. What region of Italy is you know the country that Annibale and Amaranta are from? Probably the northern side. I think. I think it's probably that. Probably more of. Actually, probably more of. Maybe closer to Piedmont and possibly Parma. Ah, I see. And how does that influence, you know, the culture they're in and anything else that, you know, that they experience? How do you think that the regional, the region, regional choice of that region, how does that influence, you know, the story uh, I and think the characters? The regional ch- Mm, okay, thank you so much for the question. The regional choice is because, well, Northern Italy was the place where a lot of the the state, the battleground states, the battleground lines were, were drawn and they were fought very early on. Like, yeah, so like uh, that was where it really got the fighting really got on, and that was one Napoleon's first conquest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I see. 
It is connected to, once again, Napoleon and, you know, the influence of the Napoleonic Wars and the Napoleon era on the whole of Europe. Yeah. I, I yeah initially that was the I that was the idea and then eventually it kind of like uh, it kind of made sense to put it to north because the before the because Napoleon Napoleonic Italy was focused on the northern side for most part and before he went to the south and he just gave his um gave the kingdom of Naples away to his to his brother. Mm, I see. Mm-hmm. What would you say is the most difficult part of the story to write? I think it's like how um. It's not really the plotting. The plotting is that it's just that I lay out the threads and I try to bring it together. I hate to say this, but it's point. George R. R. Martin's a big influence on how I write because I'm like a gardener too. Mm. I garden my stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, eventually, it's just like a, I just have to try slowly bring it together and to like understand, okay, how can how does this work? Wow. How does this happen? How can I bring this all yes, into one yeah. thread? That's actually not the hard The hard part is like, um, it's how do I count, how do I feel as though this is alternate history, but sometimes it's not because it has a very strong influence of normal history. But then again, I'm really taking liberties with a lot of history. So that's also that, that, that part where it makes me think that, yeah, I'm just pretty okay with this being alternate history and like giving it my own names and all that because it's, it's difficult to mess with other people's history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, that makes sense. I think in general, alternate history is kind of balancing fictional elements with, you know, what is actually happening in history. So that would be, I guess, one of the most difficult parts of writing it and constructing the world. It's like, yeah, it's trying to figure out what could be, what would be, and what might have been. Mm -hmm. How would you say writing the characters was like? Uh, let's just say, um, I think writing Amaranta was very hard. You figured it's more like in volume two, you'll find out why it's very hard. But in but then volume, but then Anibale was pretty fun. He was a fun, fun, he was a very fun character to write. <laughs> How about the other characters? Because you do have a lot of characters in general, you know, yeah, in, I do. Yeah, on your website. Like, do you think, think any of them yeah. are harder to write in general or easier to write? I, Actually, I is is in terms of POV, I think like um, the, yeah, okay. In terms of the characters in general, a very hard character. I, I mm, let's just think. Um, yeah, I think there are some harder characters which something like uh, the, the if I'm talking about spy masters in general, oh, those are hard. Those are very hard, right? Because I need to think about how what would he say to her, what would they give, what would she actually give out, and then like um, the information and all that stuff, and their personality too. I was take that into account. I would say that although I've never written Anibal's parents, but yeah, but if I write them, it's gonna be hard. Mm-hmm. I only given like breadcrumbs to the how they, what kind of characters they were, what kind of people they were, like uh, their characters, their temperaments, and all that. But I haven't really gone in depth into it. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes some characters it's easier for them to be kind of you know breadcrumbs, as you yeah, said, especially since they may not have to make such an ex- appearance so far, right? Especially if they are part of the past or if they don't have to make an appearance so soon. So it is easier to kind of just lead up to them appearing or finding out more information about them. Mm, yeah, although technically, uh, I wouldn't say Anibal's grandmother is very hard to write because I spent a lot of time in the head. <laughs> Even before I, even way before I started writing it, I kind of already got the idea about how she's gonna be like, and like the kind of character writing she's gonna have. And although it's like she's a she's a very majorly dark character, but she's not that hard. Mm-hmm. I think she is not that hard either. From what I've seen of her so far, I think she's very interesting, and you've done a really great job. You know, kind of building 
you know, the events around her. And it, you just, it makes you want to learn more about this character. Well, honestly, yeah, definitely. And I think for me, I think Lorenzo was kind of difficult initially. But once I figured out that he was a, once he figured out he was a dreamer, it was very easy to place him into a very particular role. Like he was, he was a dreamer. He was not a very, very, he was not a very grounded person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the third question we have here is, what do you seek to explore through alternate history? Mm, I think for me, the biggest part about alternate history is how the world can go mad in just, you just put the writings into it. I think mm-hmm. because like uh, the idea, I think for me, a lot, of the, a lot of my influences that shaped the idea came throughout 2020. It was like the year of the lockdown. A lot of my very solid ideas came around that period of, of lockdown from like maybe around starting from February to around April, May maybe, because that was when it was really high in Singapore and like I was watching every day and I was like, okay, maybe it feels like the world is going mad. Eh, and I, then I realized that history in all times, it was really going mad most of the time. And this is why I actually want to take it out of Europe because Europe was, I take out of Britain. Britain was very simple. It was a very simplistic country. It was like a, in the first two, two decades, it was just, we, are, we hate Napoleon, we want to get him out. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they did that for like, I mean, like they fought like six coalition wars. I'm like, seriously, they really, really, really hated the guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was like, yeah. So it's also because, and also because of that, he was actually, he was making France a real threat to them. So there was also that issue too. But because Britain was so calm compared to the most West, rest of Europe and like, um, and eventually later on the Middle East, because it just went to like complete chaos in the 18, for, for most of the early, early, the, the ni- early 19th century, it just was Wow, this has revolution after revolution after revolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because even though even after the Napoleonic period, there was one revolution in Greece. Wow, I see. Yeah, definitely. And I agree with you, you know, actually for me as well, during 2020, during the lockdown and, you know, just seeing all this thing happen around the whole world with COVID-19, I actually got prompted to write more as well. It was 2020 was also a really major year for me creatively because it was when I started, you know, for real doing stuff for Sam in New York. Before I had ideas about Sam in New York, but I never really put them, you know, as into a comic or a story or anything that could be consumed by the public at large. What I had was just basically a collection of pictures with really long descriptions, as some of my followers remember. So last year was when I finally made stories about them that most people can get into, not just, oh yeah, there's a picture and there's a long ass description. So 2020, I think for many people, not just you and me, was when we got a lot of our projects actually started. So there is a silver lining to the whole COVID crisis. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, it's just like the and also I think a lot of the the things I did was about experiencing adulthood as I went along. And because like when I wrote when I wrote this, I was maybe still a little greener, but by now it's like I kind of like have a strange experience with finding jobs. I don't know. I'm just I'm I would say I'm lucky. I guess. <laughs> Mm-hmm, definitely I, I would, lucky because you know it has been hard for many people in different countries to find jobs since COVID. Yeah, and so like it was like a lot of the feelings of uh adulthood and a lot of that came into like beyond the gray skies and it's like concept of dreams I guess dreams is actually a very big part of it and I definitely would want to like explore it more in the in volume three and volume four. Oh yeah, it's just like a just like the first two and the and also I think the second part is legacies too. It's like a there's a complex legacy left by his family and just dealing with it is just it's just complicated. I think the legacy part of the story from what I've seen so far 
really has the potential to kind of see more of the world as well, because a lot of his family members were involved in a lot of the world building that you've been doing, such as the revolutions and also connections to other countries as well. Mm, yeah, actually, yeah, he has quite a lot of connections to other countries. So, actually, actually, so far, yeah, so far it's like a, that's just his. Actually, it's mostly just between just between Itoro and Ranzi. The two of them are the ones that he has main connections to. But there'll be one more later on. If you read latest chapters, you probably know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- I've seen a little bit already, and it's very exciting. I can't wait to dig in more. Yeah, and I, and sort of like I say that after after Beyond the Grey Skies, the next thing we'll be we'll be talking about how to sell a revolution. Mm-hmm. Right, and then our fourth question here is: How do you research for alternate history? Mm, I think the biggest thing is like um is to study the character of the people that that you're basing it off and study the situation of the countries that you're using because then if you know the situation of the country, it's very easy. Like even though like even though. You know, at this point, Britain was a superpower. I actually decided to say that it got its wings clipped a little bit. I mean, in fact, it's not the superpower, but it's still no, it's still no joke either. It hasn't been beaten into submission by the French, by the, by the Rancians at all. It's just been like, well, we we'll just do our own thing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like a, it's just like a saying how to like how to like um understand your situation and learning how to deal with them as it goes along and like um like what can you do with it and what can you not do with it and then and then just trying to understand the culture yeah I don't I would say culture is not as important in my story at this point but like it's kind of been very interesting it's like a main a main source I've been one of the sources I'm using was Will and Ariel's Durant's books like okay they they're like it was a very it's a very old book that covers most of the most of the what history is very grand it's a great overview story but although I use a lot of other resources to delve deeper I think a very big influence of my story was do you know about Mike Duncan no I don't oh he he started he was a pop I actually listened to his podcast about the history of Rome I was oh, like thinking, oh I see I was bored I was thinking yeah the issue was not interesting. I just listened to it. After that, I kind of got hooked onto his material, mm. and then eventually, thought he started a podcast called Revolutions. I see. So you, you've you've been relying a lot on rare books as well, right? And how do you get them? Is it mostly like a digital version of the rare books, or do you actually get your hands on the physical copy? I definitely rely more on ebooks, I guess. Mm. Yeah, because like uh, I don't have a lot of resources right now, so I'm relying a lot on ebooks. Mm-hmm. But I am, yeah, I am planning to get a lot of the rarer books as I delve into building up the the more harder parts of the of the world, like uh, yeah, basically all the revolutions that was not related to France or or England, mm-hmm. because those things tend to be more. They're not really footnotes. It's just that they never really delve very in depth. Like I think the Daily, I think I think the the group in was independence was very interesting because like it was just. Like half the time they were fighting a civil war against each other and against the Ottoman Empire. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that's true. You have an alternative version of the Ottoman Empire as well, as I've seen. It's gonna be an interesting place to be. It's like okay, I was actually very entranced by the Ottoman Empire. Yeah, it's a very very grand idea, and like it's, it's it expanded its borders very, very fast and very far. But although by then by this point in time. They are really struggling to keep a hold of everything, and in fact, uh, yeah, actually, like, yeah. So that's that. Like how they lost Egypt was a really funny story. Actually, it really was. Mm-hmm. It was actually it was just Napoleon's way of saying, "Oh, I, I, I want to get back Britain. How to get back him? It, uh, attack Britain? Uh, no way. Attack Egypt? Yes. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. still a suicide mission anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So what other resources beside podcasts and books have you been using for alternative mm. history? Mm. Actually, the third one is actually kind of like forms talk- talking about history. There are quite a lot of forms around here that they, that they really delve. And then one of it was alternatehistory.com. It kind of really like gave my mind to like a lot of alternate ideas. Mm-hmm. And like thinking about, oh, what if this person did this? Why did this person survive? What is all this stuff? Why all this stuff happened? It could like it could be like I remember there's like one thing where just one thing changed, and twenty years later, say like, I can't recognize this Europe anymore. What is this Europe? <laughs> <laughs> True. I think a lot of alternate history is really fun in that way because you really think about what the borders would have been like, and even how you know, our day would be like, you know, our times would be like if this one little thing had changed 500 or 200 or 100 years ago. Yeah, and, 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 and then it's like in alternate history, it's actually rare to find threads that go back older than the ones that go back, that they are very recent because it's harder to write about things you know less about than you know about like 100 years ago. Mm-hmm, that's true. You know, all the stuff that was 100 years ago was pretty well documented, but the further back you go, it becomes a little bit, unreliable or you know there's going to be contradictions or it's just hard to imagine because it's so different from our current time or, or it could just be so it can be kind of like what people call neglected yeah because like before this i kind of have an idea for about um about song about china in general it's more like song dynasty china mm-hmm. yeah so like uh, it was it was actually more mercantile that it was an empire mm-hmm. yeah but even then it's like uh, i don't really know a lot about that period so i have to like uh I'm probably going to have to learn how to read Chinese again. <laughs> My Chinese yeah. isn't good. Yeah, you already wrote a novel about China. Mm, definitely, yeah. Yeah, you finished it too. It's not really... It kind of was just a point, stopping point, but I really wanted to finish it. Oh, I Although see. I had other ideas, but it feels like it was a good stopping point. Mm-hmm. It's just I didn't really understand the period back then, and now it's like, a, yeah, when I get back to it, okay, if I ever get back to it, it'd be very different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's always fun to revisit stuff that you've kind of just put there for now and kind of see how you change it in the future yeah, as you learn definitely. more about the research and the characters and such. Mm, yeah, I mean, definitely. It's like, a, yeah, I appreciate it happened for you as well in, with Sam in New York and all that stuff. Mm-hmm, definitely. I think as writers, we kind of see our own work grow as we grow as people. I would say it happened a lot because I'm a very, very young, because I'm quite, I'm a very young person. That's true. You are. (laughs) Yeah, you are very young. So, you know, you're going to be experiencing a lot of things in the next few years that may also influence your work. Yeah, definitely. It Mm -hmm. it definitely will. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a very exciting journey. Most definitely. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So like. Uh. I think. Yeah. So the difficult. So alternate history is just like. Uh. I think for me it's because I'm interested in knowing why rather than what happened. Because if you're focusing on what happened, right, you're really constricting yourself to just a few things. In fact, you can you cannot really take a lot of liberties because you're very very limited in, in what you do know unless you're writing about nobodies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like. Uh, that's the problem. Mm-hmm. Is like. Uh, when you're trying to like go very very small, very 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 detailed, it, like. It, for some people, it's actually a blessing because like they need that kind of structure. But for me, it's like, a, yeah, I think I'm thinking about what what could have been because I'm actually because again, I, I'm very interested with Napoleon because again, Napoleon has charmed a lot of people when it comes to writing down stuff. He's the guy who probably has more stuff published than this. He are dead. He, than the days he is dead. Mm-hmm. That's true. Mm-hmm. So in a future episode, we're going to be talking more about your specific influences, right? 
Mm, yeah, mm-hmm. actually, and, and also the scope. Uh, if I talk about the scope right now, I generally it's like beyond the Christmas, I'll just close it at volume four because I think that's where the story really comes to a more tangible end. But then if I ever write another an- another potential, it's not maybe sequel, maybe spin-off, it might be something else. It'll probably be it'll probably be set in the same universe, but it might use the same characters, it might not use the same characters. Just that I have some ideas about what it looks like right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be very fun. And, you know, that's another thing about writing about a different world. There's so much flexibility because when you're writing about a different world, you can still write about that world, but with a different set of characters. And that will elucidate a different aspect of that world as well. Or even like, uh, for me, it's like, uh, it's actually very about a different city, a different political situation. Like, okay, because right now I'm actually focusing a lot on Eastern Europe because Eastern Europe is a very, I feel as though it got really got, it really drew the shot out of the stick. There are a lot of reasons why people fled of Eastern Europe because it really, really drew the shot of the stick. Mm-hmm. Yes, and it's usually not, you know, part of, you know, when people think about European history, sadly, Eastern and I think, I think parts of Central and Northern Europe are kind of ignored and kind of put to the side. Yeah, I think for me, what I think is technically ignored is definitely, Italy is half-half. It, the Roman period, definitely, they had a lot of focus. The Renaissance, yes, but after that, no one really cares. That's true. You're very right. And you are, you know, kind of going against that. Yeah, it's just like, I think because like, I like to, because like as a writer, like, you're going to, have to look for chaos instead of looking for order. Because it's more fun to write about chaos than it is to write about order. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I wonder what that says about your alignments. <laughs> A lot of stuff. A lot of yeah, stuff. Yeah, a lot of stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah. Actually, secondly, even Southern Europe, like Spain, at most they cover its golden age, the under the under the Habsburgs of Spain. After that, after it became after it went bankrupt, nobody really cared much about it. Portugal just had a very short period of time on the world history that it just also faded too. Mm-hmm. Like this is just a real Western Europe. I really got to like places like Greece that somehow got a somehow got a German king onto it. Mm-hmm. Yep, they were Greeks, they they were Greeks, they were Orthodox, they ended up getting having a Catholic German king. <laughs> irony I know <laughs> right so next episode you're going to be on we can talk about your inspirations and what else would you like to talk about for the next episode I think for I talk about I think for me it's like uh, inspirations definitely one the it could be very big and yeah I think it's just in general just scope because like uh, by this point I'm just going I think I'm just going to be talking about Europe in general because I do have some concrete ideas about a potential about a potential idea about Eastern Europe mostly Poland mm-hmm. because Poland oh poor poor Poland mm-hmm. yes it's going to be very interesting and we're also going to be talking about um, I think why you chose Southern Europe as your focus in more detail for the next episode. Actually, yeah, I think Genevieve's Beyond the Grey Skies and then whatever's going to come after it, immediately after it, will actually be focused on Southern Europe or rather Mediterranean. Mm-hmm. Right. So, guys, prepare for this and subscribe to her on Tapas, you know, Beyond the Grey Skies. It's going to be great. Thank you All so right. much for having Thank me. Thank you on. so much. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.